听，鸟儿的欢鸣，溪水的婉转。听，爱与恨，悲与喜，苦与乐，得与失。听，跳跃的文字，灵动的声音。You're listening to more to read. 欢迎您来到轻松调频美文阅读 ，more to read。我是沈听。让我们在这里一起听美文，学英语。今天，让我们一起来听法国作家居斯塔夫·福楼拜的一句话。接着来欣赏仍然来自法国的诗人阿尔蒂尔·兰波的一首诗歌《Tear》。最后，让我们一起来读英国评论家马修·阿诺德的一篇文章《Ideas in England》。More to read， 用文字抒发感情，用文字。Daily quote. Human speech is like a cracked tin kettle, on which we hammer out tunes to make bears dance when we long to move the stars. Gustave Flaubert. 人类语言就像一只破锅，我们敲敲打打。希望音响铿锵，感动星宿。实际，只有狗熊闻声起舞而已。福楼拜。我们刚才听到的这句话出自法国著名作家福楼拜的经典小说《包法利夫人》。居斯塔夫·福楼拜出生于1821年 ，1880 年去世，法国著名作家。福楼拜的成就主要表现在对19世纪法国社会风俗人情进行真实细致描写记录的同时，超时代、超意识的对现代小说审美趋向进行了探索。福楼拜的客观的描写，不仅有巴尔扎克式的现实主义，又有自然主义文学的现实主义特点，尤其是他对艺术作品的形式、语言的推崇，已经包含了某些后现代意识。新小说作家极力推崇福楼拜对现实主义的创新，并进一步加以发展。他们对艺术形式的追求，已呈现出后现代文学特有的崇无趋势。从这个意义上说，新小说作家正是继承了福楼拜的现实主义，才可能大大的跨越了一步。19世纪自然主义的代表作家佐拉认为，福楼拜是自然主义之父。而20世纪的法国新小说派又把他称为鼻祖。福楼拜的代表作品《包法利夫人》讲述的是一个受过贵族化教育的农家女艾玛的故事。她瞧不起当乡镇医生的丈夫包法利，梦想着传奇式的爱情。可是他的两度偷情，非但没有给他带来幸福，却使他自己成为了高利贷者盘剥的对象。最后，他积债如山。走投无路，只好服毒自尽。这里写的是一个无论在生活里还是在文学作品中都很常见的桃色事件，但是作者的笔触感知到的是旁人尚未涉及的敏感区域。艾玛的死不仅仅是他自身的悲剧，更是那个时代的悲剧。作者用细腻的笔触描写了主人公情感堕落的过程。作者努力地找寻着造成这种悲剧的社会根源。Human speech is like a cracked tin kettle, on which we hammer out tunes to make bears dance 
when we long to move the stars. Gustave Flaubert. 人类的语言就像一只破锅，我们敲敲打打，希望音响铿锵，感动星宿。实际只有狗熊闻声起舞而已。福楼拜。Arthur Rimbaud. Far away from birds and herds, and village girls, I was drinking, kneeling down in some heather, surrounded by soft hazel copses, in an afternoon mist, warm and green. What can I have been drinking in that young was? Voiceless elms. Flowerless turf, overcast sky. What did I draw from the gourd of the wine? Some golden liquor, pale, which causes sweating. Such as I was, I should have made a poor ensign. Then the storm changed the sky, until the evening. It was black countries, lakes, poles. Colonnades under the blue night, railway stations. The water from the woods trickled away into virgin sands. The wind from the sky threw sheets of ice across the ponds. But, like a fisher for gold, or shellfish, to think that I did not bother to drink. Lay 无声的榆树，无花的草坪，阴郁的天空。从那酒葫芦里，我能汲取什么？黄金的酒液，无味，出汗而已。正如我自己，我早该做一个劣质酒馆的招牌。之后。暴风雨改变了天空，一直到傍晚。这黑暗的乡村，湖水、船高，蓝色夜晚的廊柱、车站，林中流出的雨水淌进纯净的沙地，风从空中掠过池塘，投至冰块然而。想淘取黄金或贝壳的渔夫，不会去想我喝酒的心思。
才听到的这首诗歌《Tear》，泪水，出自法国著名诗人阿尔蒂尔·兰波，英文版本由 Mark Griffiths 为您朗读，中文版本由南海之声的主持人米亚牛为您朗诵。阿尔蒂尔·兰波是法国的天才诗人，他于1854年出生于夏尔维勒 ，1891 年卒于马赛，只活了37个春秋。从童年时候起，阿尔蒂尔·兰波就以其闪光的智慧和学习上的天赋，使他的教师感到震惊。14岁时，兰波用拉丁文写了一首60行的诗，寄给拿破仑第三的儿子。1871年9月，他和魏尔伦一见如故。兰波的重要作品有《地狱遗迹》《彩图》等。谈到诗人兰波，人们其实主要谈论的是两个部分：谜一样的诗篇。和丰富人生构成的传奇，他为后来的世界确立了一种生存和反叛的范式。二十世纪后，兰波族成为了专有名词，崇拜模仿兰波的群体越来越壮大。二战结束后，作家亨利·米勒预言，在未来世界上，兰波型将取代哈姆雷特型和浮士德型，其趋势是走向更深的分裂。1968年，法国巴黎的反叛学生将兰波的诗句写在革命的街垒上：“我愿成为任何人，要么一切，要么全无。”And village girls, I was drinking, kneeling down in some heather, surrounded by soft hazel copses, in an afternoon mist, warm and green. What can I have been drinking in that young was? Voiceless elms, flowerless turf, overcast sky. What did I draw from the gourd of the wine? Some golden liquor, pale, which causes sweating. Such as I was, I should have made a poor ensign. Then the storm changed the sky, until the evening. It was black countries, lakes, poles, colonnades under the blue night, railway stations, the water from the woods. Trickled away into virgin sands, the wind from the sky threw sheets of ice across the ponds. But, like a fisher for gold, or shellfish, to think that I did not bother to drink. Lazy. 阿尔蒂尔·兰波，远离禽鸟、牲畜和乡村姑娘，我喝酒，跪倒在石南丛中，被柔软的榛树林、午后的薄雾、温暖和绿色包围。在这年轻的瓦兹省，我能喝什么？无声的榆树。无花的草坪，阴郁的天空。
从那酒葫芦里，我能汲取什么？黄金的酒液，无味，除汗而已。正如我自己，我早该做一个劣质酒馆的招牌。之后，暴风雨改变了天空，一直到傍晚。这黑暗的乡村，湖水。船高，蓝色夜晚的廊柱，车站，林中流出的雨水淌进纯净的沙地，风从空中掠过池塘，投至冰块然而，想淘取黄金或贝壳的渔夫，不会去想我喝酒的心思。世界，用心用心聆听。Beauty of words。马修·阿诺德是英国著名的诗人和评论家，他于1822年出生 ，1888 年去世，曾担任牛津大学的诗学教授。马修·阿诺德主张诗要反映时代的要求，需有追求道德和智力解放的精神。其诗歌和评论对时弊很敏感。并能做出理性的评判，其代表作有《评论一级》《评论二级》《文化与无政府主义》《诗歌俊莱布和罗斯托》《吉普赛学者》《瑟西斯》和《多佛海滩》等。那么接下来，我们就一起来读一篇由马修·阿诺德所写的文章，《Ideas in England》，思想志在英国。中文版本由轻松调频的主持人念希为您朗读。由张炳飞翻译。Ideas in England, Matthew Arnold. 思想志在英国，马修阿诺德。We in England, in our great burst of literature during the first thirty years of the present century, had no manifestation of the modern spirit, as this spirit manifests itself in Goethe's works or Heine's, and the reason is not far to seek. We had neither the German wealth of ideas nor the French enthusiasm for applying ideas. There reigned in the mass of the nation that inveterate inaccessibility to ideas, that philistinism to use the German nickname, which reacts even on the individual genius that is exempt from it. In our England, in the first half of the twentieth century, we did not show modernism. 这种精神曾在歌德和海涅的著作中显示，而这种原因不难找到。我们既没有德国人所拥有的丰富思想资源，也没有法国人应用思想的激情。那时，在全国人民中占主导地位的东西，则是根深蒂固的与各类思想绝缘，即那是块哲学，借用德国血语。而其影响之广，连少数几个天才也难以幸免。In our greatest literary epoch, that of the Elizabethan age, English society at large was accessible to ideas, was permeated by them, was vivified by them to a degree which has never been reached in England since. 
hence the unique greatness in English literature of Shakespeare and his contemporaries. They were powerfully upheld by the intellectual life of their nation. They applied freely in literature the then modern ideas, the ideas of the Renaissance and the Reformation. A few years afterwards, the great English middle class, the kernel of the nation, the class whose intelligent sympathy had upheld a Shakespeare, entered the prison of Puritanism, and had the key turned on its spirit there for two hundred years. He enlarges a nation, says Job, and straighteneth it again. 在我们最伟大的文学时期，即伊丽莎白时代，英国社会普遍来说，则是能接受各类思想的，并深受其感染，为之而兴奋。那情形，日后的英国再也没有。因此，在英国文学史上出现了莎士比亚以及其同时代人的空前盛况。他们精神上的支柱是民族的思想生活。他们把各种新思想、文艺复兴的思想和宗教改革的思想自由地应用到文学中。数年之后，作为民族核心的庞大英国中产阶级，其学识足以推赏莎士比亚，却陷入了清教主义的牢笼，使其精神禁锢长达两百年。正如约伯所说，他曾扩大国家，又缩小其国。In the literary movement of the beginning of the 19th century, the signal attempt to apply freely the modern spirit was made in England by two members of the aristocratic class, Byron and Shelley. Aristocracies are, as such, naturally impenetrable by ideas, but their individual members have a high courage and a turn for breaking bounds. And a man of genius who is the born child of the idea, happening to be born in the aristocratic ranks, shaves against the obstacles which prevent him from freely developing it. But Byron and Shelley did not succeed in their attempt freely to apply the modern spirit in English literature. They could not succeed in it. The resistances to baffle them, the want of intelligent sympathy to guide and uphold them, were too great. Their literary creation, compared with the literary creation of Shakespeare and Spencer, compared with the literary creation of Goethe and Heine, is a failure. The best literary creation of that time in England proceeded from men who did not make the same bold attempt as Byron and Shelley. 十九世纪初期的文学运动中，在英国发出将这种现代精神自由运用的信号的，是两个贵族阶级中的成员。拜伦和雪莱。一般说来，贵族阶级天性排斥思想，但其中的个别成员却往往有着极大的打破桎梏的勇气和倾向。而作为一位天才人物，一位这种思想的产儿，如其出身于贵族阶级，往往会对妨碍其自由发挥这种思想的种种障碍感到极为不满。但是。在这种现代精神自由运用于英国文学这点上，拜伦和雪莱并没有成功，他们是不可能成功的。想要阻挠他们的阻力太大了，而他们对引领和支持他们的思想同情的需要也太大了。他们的文学创作，无论是莎士比亚和斯宾塞相比，还是与歌德和海涅相比，都只能称得上失败。
，那个时期英国最好的文学创作，并非出自于那些与拜伦和雪莱同样大胆敢为的人们。What, in fact, was the career of the chief English men of letters, their contemporaries? The greatest of them, Wordsworth, retired in middle-aged phrase into a monastery. I mean, he plunged himself in the inward life. He voluntarily cut himself off from the modern spirit. Coleridge took to opium. Scott became the historiographer royal of feudalism. Keats passionately gave himself up to a sensuous genius, to his faculty for interpreting nature. And he died of consumption at twenty-five. Wordsworth, Scott, and Keats have left admirable works, far more solid and complete works than those which Byron and Shelley have left. 那么，和他们同时代的人，那个时代的英国文坛的主要人物是个怎样的情形呢？他们中最伟大的一位，沃兹沃斯，用一句中世纪的话说。已经遁入空门。我的意思是说，他已经完全沉浸在内心世界里，自动的将自己与现代精神隔绝开来。科勒律治吸食了鸦片，斯科特成了封建主义皇家史官，济慈单溺于他那兴发美感的天赋和解释自然的才能，而且他年仅25岁便死于肺病。沃兹沃斯、斯科特和济慈都给世人留下了值得赞美的作品，远远比拜伦和雪莱留下的作品坚实和完美。But their works have this defect: they do not belong to that which is the main current of the literature of modern epochs. They do not apply modern ideas to life. They constitute, therefore, minor currents, and all other literary work of our day. However popular, which has the same defect, also constitutes but a minor current. Byron and Shelley will long be remembered, long after the inadequacy of their actual work is clearly recognized, for their passionate, their titanic effort to flow in the mainstream of modern literature. Their names will be greater than their writings. Start magni nominis umbra. 但是他们的作品都有这样一个缺点，他们没有将近代思想应用到生活中去，他们都不属于近代文学主流，因此，他们只构成若干支流。而我们今天的许多文学作品，无论当时如何风行一时，只要具有这一缺点的，也只能算是支流。拜伦和雪莱将长存于人民的记忆中。即使在其世纪作品中的种种不足久已为人洞察之后，人们依然会记得他们的热情，他们在近代文学的主流中披风斩浪的努力，他们的名字将比他们的著作更为伟大。Ideas in England, Matthew Arnold. We in England, in our great burst of literature during the first thirty years of the present century, had no manifestation of the modern spirit, as this spirit manifests itself in Goethe's works or Heine's. 
and the reason is not far to seek. We had neither the German wealth of ideas nor the French enthusiasm for applying ideas. There reigned in the mass of the nation that inveterate inaccessibility to ideas, that Philistinism, to use the German nickname, which reacts even on the individual genius that is exempt from it. In our greatest literary epoch, that of the Elizabethan age, English society at large was accessible to ideas, was permeated by them, was vivified by them, to a degree which has never been reached in England since. Hence, the unique greatness in English literature of Shakespeare and his contemporaries. They were powerfully upheld by the intellectual life of their nation. They applied freely in literature the then modern ideas, the ideas of the Renaissance and the Reformation. A few years afterwards, the great English middle class, the kernel of the nation, the class whose intelligent sympathy had upheld a Shakespeare, entered the prison of Puritanism and had the key turned on its spirit there for two hundred years. He enlarges a nation, says Job, and straighteneth it again. In the literary movement of the beginning of the 19th century, the signal attempt to apply freely the modern spirit was made in England by two members of the aristocratic class, Byron and Shelley. Aristocracies are, as such, naturally impenetrable by ideas, but their individual members have a high courage and a turn for breaking bounds. And a man of genius, who is the born child of the idea, happening to be born in the aristocratic ranks, shaves against the obstacles which prevent him from freely developing it. But Byron and Shelley did not succeed in their attempt freely to apply the modern spirit in English literature. They could not succeed in it. The resistances to baffle them, the want of intelligent sympathy to guide and uphold them, were too great. Their literary creation, compared with the literary creation of Shakespeare and Spencer, compared with the literary creation of Goethe and Heine, is a failure. The best literary creation of that time in England proceeded from men who did not make the same bold attempt as Byron and Shelley. What, in fact, was the career of the chief English men of letters, their contemporaries? The greatest of them, Wordsworth, retired, in middle-age phrase, into a monastery. I mean, he plunged himself in the inward life. He voluntarily cut himself off from the modern spirit. Coleridge took to opium. Scott became the historiographer royal of feudalism. Keats passionately gave himself up to a sensuous genius, to his faculty for interpreting nature, and he died of consumption at 25. Wordsworth, Scott and Keats have left admirable works, far more solid and complete works than those which Byron and Shelley have left. But their works have this defect. They do not belong to that which is the main current of the literature of modern epochs. They do not apply modern ideas to life. They constitute, therefore, minor currents. And all other literary work of our day, however popular, which has the same defect, also constitutes but a minor current. Byron and Shelley will long be remembered, long after the inadequacy of their actual work is clearly recognized, for their passionate, their titanic effort to flow in the mainstream of modern literature.
Their names will be greater than their writings. Stat magni nominis umbra. Today's program is over. Thank you for listening. I'm Shen Ting. We'll see you next time.